the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie. Now it is time for the Hard Shoulder Health Check here on the show and we're joined by Michelle DeWild, who's a consultant urologist at Beacon Hospital. Michelle, it's good to speak to you again. I know you were here a few weeks ago uh, talking about the prostate. This week we're talking about kidney stones. What exactly are they? Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. What actually are they? Well, you know, we make urine and urine is actually, we get rid of our excess fluid, but we also get rid of our uh, waste products and that goes into the urine. And the stones are formed when the uh, parts of the, uh, uh, the waste products can form crystals. And that's more or less what's happening. Okay, so they form these little crystals. And uh, what is so problematic about that? Not the crystals itself, but if the crystals grow and they cause obstruction somewhere in the in the kidney or in the ureter, the, the tube that goes from your kidney into the bladder, then it can cause uh, complaints, sometimes severe complaints, because you have kidney colics, and that's that's a very severe, painful uh, uh, losing of your kidney stones or trying to lose your kidney stones. Okay, so what are the other complaints then beyond severe pain that that, that might indicate to people that they've got a problem with kidney stones? Well, you might have some pain in your kidney region or in your lower abdomen, uh, depending on which side the kidney stone or the ureter stone is, left or right. You will feel it down in your, in your tummy. If the stone is causing a bit of obstruction, it can give nausea. You will feel not really that comfortable. And in the most severe case, of course, the colicky pains. But a lot of times stones can just pass without any symptoms at all. You know, you just have them, but you don't even notice them. You don't even notice them that, you, you, that you're uh, evacuating them. Okay. And, and then for those people where it is more problematic, where they're not passing, what sort of interventions, what sort of help is available for them? Um, well, the most we always try to do it as less invasive as possible. You know, if you have a stone that's of a reasonable size, you try to do a shock lithotripsy. That's a machine that can be put uh, while you're awake. You don't need to go under, uh, under anesthesia. You can put the machine next to your skin and it will uh, generate uh, shock waves and the shock waves will disintegrate the stone and you can pass them then in smaller fragments. That's what we usually do. Wow. Okay. So like that, that, that sounds like it, it would be damaging to other parts of my body. How, how does that work that it doesn't damage anything else? Because you can focus very specifically where the stone in the kidney is and you can aim on that spot and that will have the, the highest uh, energy load on that specific spot. But of course, if you have to do it a number of times, it can cause some damage to the kidney, but that is after many, many uh, uh, times that you have okay. to do this procedure. Normally, it doesn't do anything uh, apart from it's a bit uncomfortable. You can do it without anesthesia, but it's a bit uncomfortable. Uh, prevention, obviously, better than cure. What can people do? Can they can they uh, change their diets? Can they change the amount of fluid they consume? What can they do? Well, I always tell my patient the most important reason why you make these stones, because we say it's it's the waste products of the urine. If you just flush out as much as you can the waste products, then you will prevent forming those uh, crystals and forming those stones. So drinking enough, and especially when you're known with kidney stones, you have to drink at least one and a half to two liters of, of fluids a day and preferably just plain water. 
uh, and nothing else. Not coffee, tea, but just plain water is the best that you can do. That's the one thing. And the other thing is the, uh, trying to adjust your diet. If you have a very high intake of calcium or if you have a very high protein intake and lower fiber, that's also a risk factor for developing kidney stones. Okay, so I'm conscious of some of these kind of uh, gym bunnies uh, who might be listening to this and a lot of them horsing into the protein as if it's about to be outlawed. Uh, Might they be more likely to to get to develop kidney stones? Yeah, you certainly run a bigger risk if you take a lot of proteins. And I recently uh, treated a uh, a bodybuilder and he he was a very fit guy, but he developed these pains and he had a severe kidney stone. But he said that he was taking in a lot of uh, proteins and that's not the, the best way to do so you have always be careful of uh, what you take into your body as uh, and, and vitamin d for example supplements they can sometimes if you overdo them can cause kidney stones as well but always be aware that your dna so your family history is also important if you have a brother father or mother who has kidney stones you're more prone to develop kidney stones you have to always be aware of this as well you mentioned father or mother are they more prevalent amongst men or women or is it 50 50 no, it's more common amongst men than uh, women. I think three times as much you find it in men than with uh, women. Oh, really? And is there any reason for that? Not that I know. Okay, so it just it no. just happens more in men. Does yeah. it does does it become more common as you get older? Uh, it's more common than the age between thirty to sixty. That's the age uh, frame that you see the most. But you can get them up till your eighty, ninety, and you can get them as a child as well. So it's, but it's more common in the age between thirty to sixty. That's where you see the most stones. All right. Okay. So lots of fluid, especially water, uh, and reduce the, the the protein, increase the fiber. Uh, the advice, Michelle. It's great to talk to you again, Michelle Deville, there, who's a consultant urologist at the Beacon Hospital. Mm-hmm.